Ticats Audio Network. This is the CFL This Week with Bubba O'Neill. T-minus three, two, one, and yes, we have achieved liftoff on the Ticats Audio Network as season two of the CFL This Week is back better as ever. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bubba O'Neill. Now, if you've joined us before, welcome back. And if you are new, let it be known that this is the number one source of information, opinion, and discussion when it pertains to the Canadian Football League. Yes, that's just the way what we're doing. Now, I, I don't want to do all the talking, but every week we certainly have three, four guests at times that are in the know this week, starting from left to right. And I'm talking about our great country. Uh, we have from out in Van City, host and producer of Crown Countdown, you, and he's also the president of Football Canada. Jim, uh, say hello out there. Hello, everyone. And uh, from the nation's capital, uh, and when it, <laughs> he entertains, he informs, and you, you listen to his, 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 his radio show, and he is certainly something else, quite a personality from TSN 1200. We have A.J. Jakovic. Great to be with you guys. Well, it's great that you guys are all returning home, I guess, so we really appreciate you coming in. And, boy, we've had a couple of false starts, obviously, due to the work stoppage, but uh, we have finally got something going. I'm going to start kind of right there, and I don't want to get too deep into this work stoppage stuff because, honestly, I think it kind of bores some of the fans out there. But there is something that I think everyone seemed to be talking about, and that is the ratio debate. Now, is it really that important? It, I think as we kind of move on in time, how important is the ratio? I mean, I can't remember a time where as many people were at least saying to me, I just want to see the best players on the field. And of course, you also have that contingent of people that are saying we need to keep a ratio alive and well. You know, look, as wearing the president of Football Canada hat, having a weekly show on TSN that's really all about amateur football, uh, you can guess what uh, my position is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a discussion with, uh, with Randy Ambrosi a couple of months ago, and, you know, he reaffirms that, you know, sometimes the, the professional football world and the amateur football world will be in alignment, and other times they won't be. And I think with the CFL's opening uh, bargaining position of doing away with the ratio entirely, that's that's about as much of a contrast as as you could imagine uh, between uh, between the uh, amateur community and the professional community. I'm glad that they found some sort of middle, I guess, with the uh, with the CFL. Uh, PA on this. Um, I think the 4951 scenario in terms of uh, snaps is going to be hard to monitor. And I really hope that it doesn't become a weekly narrative where we're diving more and more into the ratio. I I think we're at the stage now. It's like, let's just see some players uh, play football. Let's get Canadians uh, uh, out there into starring positions. Uh, You know, I think probably uh, the, the poster child for uh, Canadian talent with the ratio is just up the road from you, Bubba, is Andrew Harris. That guy wouldn't have got a sniff uh, if it wasn't for the ratio. He wouldn't have got a sniff if there was room uh, to develop him. And, and you know, challenge me on this. Who's been the most uh, consistent running back in the Canadian Football League over the last uh, four to five years? It's Andrew Harris. And there's other stories uh, that, that go along with that through the years. So, um 
you know, we, we could dive into, you know, American coaches going towards, uh, you know, what they know and what they're comfortable with in terms of not moving Canadians into starring roles. Uh, you know, that's something that that's part of that nuance. Also, if I want to see the best players play, I'm just going to watch the NFL. The best players are in the NFL. Um, I, I'm glad when we take a look to the United States, the south of us, they don't take that attitude with college football because the best players aren't in college football. They're in the NFL. If, if, if we as a nation took that, took that attitude, uh, the rest of football would be a, all of football would be a wasteland. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that we've got something of a ratio in place and we can just move ahead and move beyond this. Well, AJ, I mean, are you on the same plane? Because I'm sure many of your listeners Many of the people that tweet to you may be saying exactly what Jim is saying. I, I, when I put down my 50 bucks to put my bum in a seat, I just want to see the best. I, that I don't really care if they're from Canada or not. I'm watching a sports and I want to be entertained. And I just want the best available. Do, do you agree with that at all? Yeah, I mean, we did a poll on our website at tsn1200.ca and it was 60-40. They don't care. So, uh, for like... And that's part of the reality. I think the further, you know, I grew up in Edmonton and, and certainly uh, appreciate the heart of the Canadian Football League in the prairies, especially in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. But I think especially the further east you go, the, the more you get that type of sentiment. Look, my my opinion on this and, you know, it is what it is, right? Everyone's going to have a different opinion and throw it into the into the pile and and. Um, you know, not one more, not one opinion in my, in my opinion is more valuable than the other. It's just another opinion. Uh, I want to see significant Canadian content. I, I do. I want to see Canadian starters. I want to see Canadians on the roster. I, I do think the pendulum needs to be moved a little bit in the other direction. Uh, did this do enough in that regard? I don't know. And when I say the pendulum needs to be switched in the, in the other direction, I don't mean it has to be at the cost of Canadians, but I just think when it comes to veteran Americans and, and this whole naturalized Canadian thing, I, I look here and I, I could give you a, a laundry list of Ottawa Red Blacks all-star players that got ditched here in the last few years to, to bring in somebody at the league minimum at a position that they believed was, was replaceable. I, I look at the defensive back position as a primary example of that. And, and to me, when you've got Americans that when they decide, I'm not talking about the guys that come up for a year or two. Uh, I'm talking about the guys that do commit to this country, commit to communities. Like I, Sherrod Baltimore is a guy that has come into Ottawa and all, he, he, he lives here in the off season. He, he started a free football camp in the off season uh, where 200 kids, um, ended up for free coming, learning about the game. Like he's a guy that's investing in this community, investing in this country. And I think those players need to be looked after a little bit more. It doesn't have to be at the expense of Canadians. I want Canadians to start. I want Canadians to play. But to me, the, the pendulum had swung too far in one direction. Maybe this naturalized uh, Canadian thing and the 51, 49%, I don't know. It's clunky to me, but maybe that, helps a little bit, but we're really not going to see until the off season. I, I'm not going to see the fruits of the labor of this until 
I see, okay, is a starting all-star defensive back still making closer to the minimum? And is a backup offensive lineman, because he's Canadian, making double that? And, and that's where I think, you know, some of the issues have, have arose in this league and, and where maybe the pendulum need to, needed to switch a little bit in the other direction. I have to admit, I, I know the game pretty good. I think we all do, obviously, in the rule book. I at times find myself a little bit confused with how many players Canadian have to be on the field, how many start at, at, at times. Um, and, as, of course, that's something that coaches every single play have to watch and monitor. And I know there are some coaches that say they've, other coaches have gotten away with not having the amount of Canadians that you should be on the play. I mean, this... It, to the, I can only imagine these are people that are in the know. Are the fans confused about this Canadian ratio deal and the fact that maybe it's going to slip maybe even further away from all Canadians on the next CBA? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in on that because, you know, when it comes to uh, cost of a offensive lineman, one of the issues that we have right now is that the way rosters are built we pile Canadians into the offensive line. So the, there's there's competitiveness for those Canadian offensive linemen. You're, you're diving 70 deep across nine teams uh, to create depth for offensive linemen. The answer, and especially from a, uh, from a developmental point of view, and this is something that I don't think the Players Association wanted or the CFL wanted, quite frankly, is that if you have six Canadian starters plus one, three on each side of the line, uh, and and yeah. one in a receivers group, one in a backs group, one on the offensive line group, and on the defensive line, you get one on the defensive line, one in a linebacker slash dime, and and one in one in the in defensive backs, because then you're only drawing from 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 the depth of about twenty seven, maybe maximum thirty. And you don't have that hyper competitiveness in terms of uh, free agency, in terms of building up those positions. Plus, you know, from from the amateur uh, perspective, it's great because you're showing all of these paths to to to, to athletes where they can uh, possibly end up on the professional side. You're broadening the type of athletes that you're attracting to the game. It's it's something that I've ad advocated for. It's something that uh, my friend at TSM Farhan Lalji has advocated for. I just wish that it was a talking point at that table when they were talking about a CBA. Hundred percent agree, Jim. Uh, you know, the three three on each side of the field was something that uh, that I was trumpeting for sure. Uh, I think you know, there's too many times when I'm filling out a depth chart. It's six and one. Right. You got you got a safety on one side. You got four offensive linemen and, and a couple of receivers on the other side. I mean, sometimes it's five and two, but uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see more opportunities for guys on the defensive side of the ball for sure. And 100 uh, percent in agreement with that. Let, let's kind of talk on a similar plane about the players and. This February was probably the most entertaining free agency period I can remember in this league for a very, very long time. I, in fact, it was the, I feel like it was the most movement of high-quality players in, I mean, look at Ottawa. It's, it's almost Hamilton light in some ways, from management all the way down to its players. AJ, I'll go with you here. This kind of movement 
good for the league, bad for the league. And I'm also going to throw in the fact that you got this one plus option contract thing that's been going on in the league for, for some time. Uh, the, the, this kind of movement that we saw was it, is this a good thing for the league? It was exciting. It was it was an exciting couple of days, but yeah, overall, it, it's good and bad because we've seen both sides of it here, and and certainly everywhere around the league have the, the one the number one thing that fans and and this comes back to my veteran American talk and and how that needs to be prioritized and maybe this helps fix it maybe it doesn't and they can address it you know down the road. But there's too much turnover in the league. And, and a lot of the turnover, most of the turnover is with, you know, better veteran American players that aren't quarterbacks. So um, they, I guess the guaranteed money at the back end of the deal probably uh, helps out a, a little bit, uh, you know, going forward. And, and maybe that uh, keeps some more players uh, in their communities. I will say this, like a team like Winnipeg, given how dominant they've been the last couple of years, I was surprised – how many players and how many key star players they were able to keep in the fold there. So I, I think it's good and bad. I think it's good in the sense, yeah, if, if you're not very good, it gives you hope that you can go out in the offseason and improve your roster. But at the same time, uh, the fans want continuity. The fans want to know that they're buying a jersey and that player is just not going to jump from team to team to team every year. So uh, a little bit more balance would be good. Um, and we'll see if this CBA ends up achieving some of that down the road. Jim, we hear this all the time in in, in pro sports is that the owners, and I don't, I don't want to make this a players versus the owners thing, but we hear it in every sport that the owners are their worst enemies. Is that the case here too? Well, I think the worst enemy of the CFL uh, coming up on the horizon is the USFL and the XFL now. And really? with the naturalized uh, – uh, Canadian position, which I think should sit in its own category, uh, quite frankly, um, as you know, as much as Dan, you know, talks about, you know, players wanting to know where they're going to be in three years as we enter into this phase of a very competitive landscape for players. I think management may start shifting its thinking and wanting to know where those players and their roster is going to be in three years. I think the naturalized Canadian position helps in that aspect in terms of keeping players in place and, and forming longer term relationships um, and, and and realizing contracts through the beginning in the middle and the end without uh, uh, without renegotiation. But look, you know, the USFL has one plus one contracts, so they're tying their players up. Uh, the XFL, I think, will take this thing a step up in terms of what they can offer uh, their players. And even if there's Ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year freed up a little bit more to pay import players. If I'm if I'm trying to essentially now not just sign but recruit a player to the Canadian Football League that uh, has a background in the SEC in the American South, maybe that fifteen thousand dollars isn't isn't going to be enough. You know, if you can play on network television in the United States for something that's comparative and you don't have to pay taxes in two countries, uh, it may be more attractive just to stay in the United States. So I, I think that in terms of uh, in terms of free agency, I think you're going to see a lot of this settle down at the higher level with with the uh, with the naturalized rule. The other thing about this offseason with with free agency 
in a quarterback driven league is uh, outside of the of the Hamilton to Ottawa situation with Mazzoli, it was fairly stable in that position. And I think that's a good thing for the league as well. Let me just get a show of hands here. How many of you have watched more than five USFL games? Uh, 83 to 85 I did but uh... <laughs> AJ I'm with you too I loved the league back then but I haven't watched I haven't watched one game and I I consider myself a football maniac like 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 should the CFL be even a AJ should the, the CFL be even afraid of these leagues uh I think it's two different leagues um you know the USFL they're really in one market you know they might have team names right but they're in Birmingham that's it and it's an empty stadium unless the Stallions are plans I I honestly don't think that league's gonna work it feels like all the other failed leagues I am I'm I'm intrigued by the XFL I I know a lot of people want to bunch it together with the previous incarnations but I am intrigued by it because they've got uh they've got big time financial backing um, it, it seems like they're doing things the right way. Just the fact that they're not started yet, right? If if they were rushing and 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 trying to make sure that they had a 2022 kickoff, maybe it would be different. But it, it feels like they're doing things the right way. Uh, that that's a league that I think could pose. I don't want to say a threat because you know the Canadian Football League is different. The Canadian Football League survived. You know there there was a time, right? 83 to 85. You, you look at the quality of player and you had Jim Kelly and Doug Williams and Steve Young and uh, Bobby Bear in, in the USFL. So you had 18 teams at one point. You had 26 at that point in the NFL and nine in the Canadian Football League. There, there were 53 starting quarterbacks then. And you still have pretty good quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League in that time. So um, I, I think... I, I was a little disappointed, and I appreciate the membership not wanting to take the hit in the middle, but uh, I think it was short-sighted of them not to, to raise the league minimum, uh, especially in today's day and age, right? I mean, we all know how expensive it is just to, to go out and fill up your tank and, and go and get groceries right now. So uh, I wish that they would have given a, a bit more of a bump there. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, if the XFL gets going and, and the XFL even meets – modest expectations and no doubt in, in terms of player recruitment I, I think uh you're, you're gonna lose out on some pretty good football players but I, I think there's enough to get around it in terms of you know receivers defensive backs the key is the quarterback position you have to be able to bring in and then keep um really good quarterbacks uh, that that's been why this league has been so successful at least in my opinion and and as been able to stay alive for as long as it has. So it, as long as they can attract some pretty good quarterbacks, uh, then I, I think the league should be in pretty good shape. This was, a, you talked about this earlier. This is switching topics here, guys. Uh, the league went out there and, and I think maybe based on the fact that the last couple of years offensively, because I've always said that, you know what, if I was going to introduce the Canadian football league to someone that has never seen the game before, say I had a friend uh, from Zimbabwe and I said, here, watch this, watch this. This is football. I would always take them to a CFL game first 
before an NFL game. Now, if I wanted them to be entertained by the crowd, I think we all know that the, the NFL blows away the CFL in that aspect. But when it comes down to excitement of the game, when it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the movement of the ball, the, the kick returns, we've all, we all know the CFL is a superior product. The rule changes that were made, which one appeals to you that I think can get this game back into, you know, having superior highlights on our highlight shows every night? Uh, I, I do like the hash marks. I just want to make sure that that the coaches buy into the opportunity that's there because uh, the one thing that's limited uh, offense in this league, in my opinion, is the uh, shadow of Mark Tressman's offense and the play selection associated with it, um, the short passing game, the 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 throw underneath, the um, it, it's been very limited. One of the reasons why I love U sports football is that across 27 teams, I can get six different types of offenses. You can make the argument in the CFL over the last couple of seasons, we've seen one type of offense. So hopefully with that uh, extra space that's created by the, uh, by the hash marks, um, th- th- there's going to be more of a, uh, more of a vertical game. Uh, because that's something that just we we haven't seen, and the vertical game is one of the things that that's great on the on on the field that we have in this uh, in this country. Um, the one thing about moving the hash marks in, though, and especially at that 40, uh, 40 yard line start, is um, when the NFL moved their hash marks in many many years ago, field goals went up. Get ready for field goals to go up. I, but like, if we're getting into sports betting here. I'm putting money on wherever Boris Beattie is playing <laughs> because, because I, I think the field goals are going to go up anywhere between 15 to 20% this year. Uh, uh, not just because of, uh, of where the hash marks are located parallel with the, with the uprights, but also because of where teams are going to be on the field. I think increased scoring would be a good thing, even if it's coming off the foot of a, a field goal kicker, but I think time will tell, tell, uh, AJ, I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of was, was excited about this two quarterbacks on the field kind of thing. Now, will the coaches make use of this? Probably not. I mean, because they want to be safe all the time. But uh, what, what really in- excited you? Uh, you? You know what I saw on Friday night is, it, and, and it hasn't really been publicized a lot, but just the speed of play and the, the officials from what I understand, have been issued a directive to get that 20-second play clock going quicker. And we saw it. Over 130 plays, uh, two hours, 46 minutes to, wow. to, to finish that game. So you could really notice uh, a difference when it comes to speed of play. So I, I'm I'm curious about the hash marks. It kind of became a game where it was 11 v. 11 on two-thirds of the field. And those you know other two players, the – the, the fifth receiver and, and you know, the, the, the DB on the boundary corner were, were basically, uh, or sorry, the field corner were basically forgotten about. So I, I think it does bring that other side of the field into play. But as Tyree Adams found out on his second CFL snap, uh, that throw to the wide side field is still a long <laughs> one. So, um, you know, lesson learned. I thought he was real good, by the way, after that. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it will be interesting just to see how much of the other side of the field uh, they do uh, try to exploit now. I, I think it's going to make a difference 
Will it be significant? Uh, time will tell. AJ, let me start with you on this next topic here because you had to experience it last uh, last year. Uh, as Shaquille O'Neal used to say, whore awful. <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks were whore awful last year. But maybe even more whore awful were the, the Edmonton Elks. Out of free agency, what we've seen in one, I think, impressive showing by both teams in the, the preseason, which team do you think has a better chance of being more competitive this season, the Elks or the Red Blacks? I think the Elks are going to take a step. Uh, Chris Jones is a really good coach. He's had success everywhere. His players buy in. Um, his defenses are always uh, amongst the best in the league. Uh, but but I'll, I'll say the Ottawa Red Blacks, I, I think they've improved in, in almost every category. I like the fact, like this was a, a defense last year that, they spent too much time on the field, but it was a pretty solid defense. They needed a couple of playmakers, and in bringing in Money Hunter and, and Patrick Levels, two all-star caliber uh, defenders from Montreal, I think they've plugged some holes, uh, you know, and, and they, they've added a little bit of swagger too. Like, it, it helps to have a, a little bit of an attitude uh, on that side of the football, and I, I think uh, with Mike Benavides and that group, uh, they should be pretty strong. They're always amongst the best in the league when it comes to special teams led by Bob Dice. And, you know, I, they're not going to be able to replace a guy like Devontae Dedman, who's one of the best return men that I've ever seen play the game. But, you know, they've got the best punter in the game, in my opinion, and Richie Leone and Lewis Ward. I think his uh, accolades speak for themselves. So it's it's all about the offense, right? I mean, that's where it was more awful. That's where they were the fifth team in CFL history uh, to not average one offensive touchdown a game. They scored 13 and 14 games. Uh, and and to me, they're better in, in every aspect. You could see that was what I was looking for. I knew what I was going to get uh, out of Jeremiah Masoli. Yeah, new team, new offense, all, new receivers, all that kind of thing. And, and he looked really good. Uh, you knew the receivers, uh, they added so much depth and, and talent with Darvin Adams and B.J. Cunningham and – um, Jalen Acklin and some of the other players that they brought in, Justin Hardy, who played five years with the Atlanta Falcons. So that uh, looks like an improvement. Running back uh, by committee, whether it's Canadian Jackson Bennett, whether it's uh, some of the Americans they brought in, uh, the return of William Powell, that looks looks like an upgrade. Um, and again, the quarterback position looks looks really solid slotting uh, with Masoli as a one, with uh Caleb Evans is a two and Tyree Adams is a three. Um, everything looks good there. So it's all about, okay, what does the offensive line look like? And it looked really good. Just beefier in the interior. Um, some size, guys that are 320 plus in there. Uh, veteran guys, Sirocco. I know Stewart didn't have the greatest year last year in BC, but he's had a good camp. And, you know, Jacob Ruby as well. And just the depth that they have. The guys that were starting last year backing up right now. Plus, they've got their first two picks in the draft in Pelios and Hogan Sandon that are going to be knocking on the door as well. So they just have a lot more depth in that regard. And then to, to have you Combray Williams at one tackle, it'll likely be Randy Richards or Dino Boyd on the other side. Night and day compared to last year. They lost some pretty good players from the O-line as well. I mean, Mark Cordy was one of the free agent prizes of the offseason who went back home to Edmonton, and Nolan McMillan ended up retiring. But they just didn't have enough um, 
in that group. And, and unfortunately, for most of the year, whoever was under center was running for their life. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, Jim, I know you, you know, obviously see the West a little bit more than we do, but uh, Edmonton, I thought that was a very impressive victory and a performance that they put together. I know, uh, uh, again, a, a, a real struggling product. And I think based on the name change and everything, they got to kind of get it right this year. Well, Victor Kui, the new uh, president uh, in Edmonton, has really impressed me in terms of being able to shift the narrative around that organization in a very short period of time, uh, about 180 degrees in that community, to, to kind of get people to, to take a second look at that product. You know, their season tickets, they have gone down to around the 17 to 14 range, depending on who you talk to. We remember not that long ago that that Edmonton was the flagship uh, organization in this league, around 28,000. I I can even go as far back as remembering when they expanded that stadium from 42 to 60,000 because they had 44,000 season ticket holders. So it's been a big fall in that community, and I think Victor is a is is, uh, is a key player in terms of restoring faith in uh, what the Edmonton Elks do. Uh, if I'm if I'm comparing Ottawa and Edmonton, I think Ottawa is going to be the team that brings more consistency to what they do. I think Edmonton will bring more excitement with Chris Jones there, but certainly not consistency. I, I, I think we're going to ride a bit of a roller coaster there. We, we we've seen that in the past with Chris Jones teams. Uh, the thing that that I'm really intrigued by is that he's got uh, two athletes that happen to be Canadian. Uh, one of them's a quarterback, one of them's a former quarterback, and that two-quarterback thing that we talked about just about five, ten minutes ago, I think we'll see more of that out of the Edmonton Elks and what Chris Jones is going to throw at people than anybody else in the league. Mike Beaudry is uh, is uh, penciled in at, uh, at uh, fullback right now. He played at Idaho and played at UConn before that and led his team to a Division II championship. Uh, in in Florida, he was born in Regina, but really trained in the United States. Uh, he's got he's got the size at that position, but but he can be out there every snap as kind of acting like a like a second quarterback. And then you've got Trey Ford, and Trey Ford is is as an athlete, he's exactly what you want in in that position in the modern game. He's got a he's got a learning curve and an arc though that he's got to go through for about the next three years. So so in terms of getting those athletes onto the field, I know that 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 Chris Jones wants to wants to pencil in athletes in 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 intriguing positions. So every week you may not be sure what you're getting out of the Elks, but you know it's going to be an interesting watch. Jim, you brought up a name there just before we close up here, guys, that I think is so intriguing to me. And I guess maybe it's a little special to me because I, you know, I covered some of those McMaster football games there for a couple of seasons now and really getting to watch Trey Ford operate as a quarterback and thinking to myself, boy, I hope this kid gets a chance, right? I mean, we've talked about this debate about the Canadian quarterback has been going on my entire life and probably still won't stop. Do you, will he get a shot? I mean, I know under Brandon Bridge that uh, he got a shot there with Chris Jones, but is Trey Ford got a chance to be a star in this league? 
I think Trey Ford uh, does have a chance, um, depending on the organization that he's in. Uh, I think the jury's still out on on Chris Jones as a, a as a leader making that decision about a Canadian quarterback. If if you read what Chris Jones has to say about him, he 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 likes the potential. Right now, he doesn't necessarily like the decision making that Trey Ford is is making. Uh, in practice in terms of sitting in the pocket too long, not using his uh, athletic ability, uh, not being uh, uh, necessarily prepared for the speed of the game pre-snap. Uh, and I, and I also know that, that with uh, some of the scouting reports on, on Trey, he, he, he still has some issues in terms of uh, his throwing rhythm. So, but, but all of those, if you, if you develop him uh, over a three-year arc, like, the Edmonton teams of the past used to with, with numerous other quarterbacks, he's certainly got a solid chance. Um, and I think one thing that'll make it easier for him is the success or failure of Nathan Rourke next door in BC. If Nathan Rourke can uh, come out and have a, have a solid, then this will really be his first year as a starter, a solid effort uh, uh, with the lions and, uh, and be respectable and, and quite frankly, live up to to the standard that he set for himself at Ohio uh, in the MAC. Um, I see it uh, becoming an easier argument for developing a guy like Trey Ford. Yeah, AJ, just one more comment on him. Uh, I, again, the Canadian quarterback thing. Even if you want to just kind of generalize it, there. I mean, are we seeing again? Again, what we're seeing in BC, we literally can see a guy go 18, 18 games as a Canadian quarterback as a starter. Uh, is it time that we open our eyes to this ability? Because I, I feel like when I watch U Sports, that these Canadian quarterbacks are the improvement over the last five years. I wouldn't even say ten years. To me, is immense. Yeah, for me, I I just like that the rule has changed and they count as starters now, right? I mean, that's that that was an issue for the longest time. Where okay, well, there there was no impetus to even start a Canadian, right? So now the fact that that has changed and they actually count as one of the seven starters, I, I think, is really important. And yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's all about earning it. I, I don't want to see it. You know, I don't want to see charity here. We, we, we need a Canadian quarterback. There you go. Like, it's about earning it. And I think there are some really good Canadian quarterbacks, but that is the most important position. As we talked about earlier in terms of offense, what this league has to do, it has to find and develop good quarterbacks. That That's going to help the game more than any tinkering of the rules, more than the hash marks going in and out or, or whatever. You need really good quarterbacks. And, and, and that I think is, you know, I don't think the league's in crisis, but you know, you look around the league and you've got some good quarterbacks and you've got some quarterbacks with potential, but it's not like we're in an era where you've got Calvillo and, and Henry Burris and, and Ricky Ray and, and some of the other quarterbacks around the league. Uh, so I, I don't want to see that position just all of a sudden you say, well, you know, it's not that important a position. No, it is. It is the most important position. It's a team game, but it's still the most important position in sports, um, you know, more than goalie in hockey or, or any other position. So, look, if, if there's guys that are good enough and they've earned it, then that's great. And, I, and again, I like the fact that 
at least teams are motivated to say, okay, you know what, if you've got a guy, you'll want to start him because he'll count as one of your starters. Guys, let's wrap it up there. So much great information. I really, really appreciate you joining us here on the CFL this week. He is AJ Jakovec up top along with Jim Mullen. Uh, I, I think this is an exciting time for all of us. I mean, the first time we get to see a preseason game in three years, the first time we get to hopefully see a good, strong 18-game regular season. Uh, we certainly look forward to chatting with you all. I think we hope we, I, we, that we see good football. I think that's kind of the most important thing is that we see good football. And again, we're going to do a lot of that here on the CFL this week talking about it. So again, thank you so much to our esteemed guest. Again, I'm Bubba O'Neill. We will do this every single Monday. Catch us on your favorite podcast catcher on the Tie Cats Audio Network. This is the CFL This Week, Week 1, closing out. I'm Bubba O'Neill saying we'll join, join us, please, next week. The CFL This Week with Bubba O'Neill. Subscribe, like, and get the deepest takes on Canada's game every Monday.